my Kitane Hotaka. Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Wallace Chapman with you. Today, the amount of donations some political parties are raking in is unprecedented. Why are people donating the big bucks? And does it matter that just after four on the panel? Also today, one million tonnes of treated water from Fukushima nuclear power plant to be released over time, starting as early as tomorrow. Will it be safe? Also on the panel, self-representation in the courts. It's on the rise. Why? And what other issues around it? Maybe you have self-represented. Let me know. And Mint. Love my mint, but it's also impossible to get rid of. We discuss mint toward the end of the program. And did you ride on trams in New Zealand when you were younger? What was the route? What was it like? Very keen on your stories today. Text me, 2101. You can email the panel at rnz.co.nz. With me uh, this afternoon, we have Ruth Money, Victims Advocate. Kia ora, Ruth. Kia ora. And Alan Blackman, Professor of Chemistry at AUT. Alan, welcome to the program. Hey, Wallace. All right. Now with us, uh, yeah, we have Ruth and Alan into this. And speaking of trams, Motat on Sunday, the steam tram ditched the coal it had been using for the last 132 years with the help of biofuel, thanks to the ingenuity of New Zealand scientists at Skyom. The number 100 tram was built in 1891, started life in Sydney in 1905, was put into service at Wanganui, and since 1971 has been at MOTAT, the Museum of Transport and Technology in Auckland. The steam engine is especially designed for coal. Normal wood will not work. So how do they do it? MOTAT Collection Workshops Manager Graham Anderson has been at MOTAT nearly three decades. He's with us. Kia ora, Graham. Good afternoon, Wallace. How did this idea for changing to biofuel actually come about? Uh, well, I guess for us, uh, Motad is blessed with uh, an incredible collection of items that uh, relate to steam technology, uh, not just the steam tram, which we were, were trialling the biofuel in on Sunday, but also locomotives, traction engines, stationary engines, just to name a few. You name it, we have it. And it's really important for us to be able to bring those items to life, uh, enabling our visitors to experience them doing what they were designed to do, complete with the, the sounds, the smells and the action, but those sorts of things that you lose when they're, they're inanimate. Um, now, of course, all those items were designed to burn fuel, uh, coal as their fuel, and uh, whilst coal is likely to be available for some time, uh, Mojet obviously wishes to move away from uh, a reliance on coal, um, firstly, obviously, so we can be uh, environmentally friendly, but also because our social licence to burn coal is, is fast running out. And uh, and by that I mean that whilst we may still be able to get coal and we may be able to get uh, exemptions to use it, society and, and the, the wider community, and in particular our visitors, obviously increasingly see burning coal as the wrong thing to do and, and not socially acceptable. So, so for us, uh, in order to be able to keep those things alive, uh, we need to be innovating and thinking outside of the square, uh, working uh, to make our operations sustainable and environmentally friendly. Uh, and uh, the trials that we did with Siren on the weekend are a really positive step That's great. in that quest. That's very cool. Isn't it great, uh, Ruth, repurposing uh, a century-old engine uh, for the future? It's kind of cool, isn't it? I was super excited. Yeah. The innovation in Aotearoa, it's great. 
that's what it's about, isn't it, Graham? Because that speaks to that, hey, the, the, the science that we are doing here. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's great that we can uh, develop these things here. And, and for me, I, I find it particularly exciting in that uh, potentially this fuel can be made from forestry slash, which, uh, as we all know, is a, is a bit of an issue out there as a, as a waste product that uh, gets left behind. So if we can uh, put that to good use, then that, that's a fantastic outcome. Yeah, um, Graham. I think you know this is this is a, a great piece of uh, New Zealand science done at Scion, which is really really cool. I guess the one thing that we have to make sure is that um, I guess all of those trees do get replanted ultimately, because otherwise then it's it's not carbon neutral anymore. But um, yeah, you know, this it's it's certainly a hell of a sight better than burning coal. That's for surely. Was it much yep. of a challenge? I mean, was it much of a challenge actually to go from coal into biofuels? And what is the what is the biofuel? Is it like a bark pellet or a wood pellet? What is it? It's essentially um, the wood waste which has been um, ground down into small particles and then heated up. And when it's heated up, they remove. Uh, some of the chemicals and then form it into a into a briquette. So, in many ways, for us, we we can burn it exactly the same as we can burn coal. Uh, it's just a solid product in exactly the same way, but just obviously a different material. So, uh, unlike wood pellets or things like that, which um, are a little bit harder to use in our boilers because they weren't designed for that, this stuff can be burned in anything that that was once designed to burn coal, um, which is. Great for us. How amazing is that? And so great from a museum perspective because there must be so many things from a heritage era that hopefully now we can show our rangatahi how they did work without smoking everybody out. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, mean, MOTAC currently has um, 10 of our boilers on operational condition, but that's the the tip of the iceberg. There are literally hundreds out there right up and down the country, rail groups like the Canterbury Railway Society in Christchurch, traction engine groups, um, the Urnsdor in Queenstown. Kingston yeah. um, Flyer? Name, oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right, Kingston Flyer, just, just to name a few. Mm. Yeah. So potentially, could some of those steam trains run on this wood pallet that's been developed by Scion? That's certainly the potential, yes. You should yep. see Wallace's face right now. He's very uh, excited. I, I, I think he's one of these trained people. This is I, awesome. I just think it's a great uh, example of ingenuity yeah. that really hasn't been sort of um, talked about much. But I tell you what, Graham, what, ha- what has been talked about uh, throughout the country by listeners is trams and how much they love yeah. them. Uh, here's one. Bronwyn says, New Plymouth had trams the full length of the Main Street of Devon Street from 1916 to 54. Also an excellent bus service. Um, another one here. I recall in the 40s getting separated from my mum in a department store on Queen Street. Um, Auckland and a policeman taking me on a tram. Standing in the platform behind the drivers, a real no-no, to the police station where they fed me chocolate biscuits until mum arrived to pick me up. That's great. (laughs) That's so good. I do have a similar story, though, for Christchurch. Ballantyne's lost. And, they, you know, we have a tram again there now, but Mm. there were trams originally. So I'm a big tram fan. It kind of speaks to a... A long lost part of our social history, doesn't it, Graham? And many sort of yearn for the days of the tram, don't they? Absolutely. Look, our, our trams are incredibly popular. They they consistently rate as one of the most uh, popular attractions at Motat, and we, we're carrying uh, literally just under two hundred thousand passengers a year uh, who who just absolutely adore riding on the trams, and obviously wow. all those stories that go with them as well. Golly, that's a lot of people. Gosh. <laughs> But then again, you go to any sort of big European city, they'll have trams. Mm. So, <clears throat> you know, we're maybe missing out here. Dare I mention light rail or is that? 
Ruth Money, what's your IBT today? Well, I'm grumpy yet again. Um, senior lawyers, uh, KCs even, in Aotearoa need to check themselves. Um, even last week when I was in a sentencing and today we have a report out of Dunedin where we have Anne Stevens, a QC, who is harassing a victim of an alleged multiple, actually, number of serious sexual charges. Can I just say, you'd say harassing, but she would say she's been asking questions. Well, yes, I say harassing. In my opinion, she's, uh, it's in your opinion. I say yeah. she is harassing. In her opinion, she actually knows that she's pushing the law because in the report, she says, I am simply exploring. However, yes. As she's she want to do, as she's entitled as, to do. It is, mm. is her role to cross-examine. However, to, in my opinion, harass by saying, your dress barely covers your bottom. And um, I'm not being critical. I'm suggesting that anyone could see your bottom. I'm simply exploring. Or comments like, uh, you also had tequila shots, didn't you? Which is throwing back straight alcohol, isn't it? Is simply inappropriate. And when one in three uh, New Zealanders are affected, if not assaulted themselves with sexual violence, until the courtrooms sort themselves out and the senior lawyers uh, do their job with respect, in my opinion, uh, we're not going to stop this narrative and we are not going to help the epidemic. I found this interesting, Ruth, because uh, I mean, it was big news today, this, uh, this story, uh, you know, defence probes dress length. Um, in the late 80s, there was a series on campus. It was quite a big issue on campus in Dunedin and uh, critic did a very good fe- series of articles exploring this type of defence. You know, your mm. dress was too short. Mm. You drank too much. And that was in the late 80s. Um, I, I, I wasn't familiar with if they were allowed to use that type of defence in the 21st century. So we have um, recent, well, in recent years, the sexual violence legislation bill was passed that was supposed to give the judges more powers to ensure that a survivor, um, a witness on the stand was not, um, I say harassed, um, was not questioned um, unreasonably. Um, And it is the judge's courtroom, and so it's up to the judge to control what's going on in there. But as an advocate and knowing how hard it is for everyone in that courtroom, there is a much more respectful way to cross-examine people and do your job. A defence lawyer absolutely needs to do their job um, because some people make false allegations. And I don't know whether this Dunedin, where this Dunedin case will go. But when I hear stories of someone talking about the length of someone's dress or how much they drunk, 
I have to just shake my head and hang my head, actually, in concern that we have not moved forward as a community since the 1980s. Very good. Ruth Money, thank you for that. Um, Alan Blackman, I've been thinking. Okay, so I was last night thinking of what I could talk about, as I usually do with these things, and um, was coming up a blank. And then all of a sudden, I got an email. And... I'm going to read you out this email because it just made my year. So um, those of you listening might know that uh, the National Treasure, Alison Balance, and I did a podcast a few years ago about the chemical elements called Elemental. Um, So here is the email that I got about this. It says, Dear Alan Blackman, I'm Josie Hogan and I am six. My favourite episode of Elemental is Arsenic, but I love all of them. Thank you for making this podcast from Josie. And so, of course, I replied to Josie saying, thank you so much, and got in touch with her dad. And um, he said that that's the first email that she's ever sent, and she was just so thrilled to get a reply. So I know you guys are listening down there. Um, So thank you so much, Josie. Your email just really... Yeah, melted my heart. That lit us up. What a beautiful Good on uh, you, thought. Josie. Yeah. <laughs> we have Ruth Money, Alan Blackman with us this afternoon. Do stay with us talking political donations just after four.